You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the Land Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. Uh, we'll be talking for the next hour uh, about surveying, everything everything to do with surveying. Um, uh, again, I, uh, I invite your questions and comments. If you would like to send questions or comments to me uh, that I will address on a future show, uh, you can email me at jeff at americaswebradio.com. Uh, you can also visit my website, www.lucasandcompany.com, uh, to find out more about me and what I do. And we have some references there, reference information that uh, is uh, free download. So I invite you to visit the website. <clears throat> now, this morning, uh, we're going to have a guest uh, on the program, uh, Michael Palomary. Uh, many of you in the surveying community uh, probably know uh, Mike, he's from the West, he's uh, in California on the West Coast, so it's a little bit early for him. But let me introduce Mike. Uh, Mike is the president of Palomari and Associates of La Jolla, California. He is a founding member of the Land Surveyors Advisory Council on Technical Standards. That's www.lsacts.com. He is the owner of www.toppoints.com a research site for California land surveyors. Uh, Mike owned and operated Precision Survey and Mapping of San Diego, a 12-person firm, for 20 years. Mike has testified in over 125 lawsuits across the state of California and has appeared in federal court as an expert witness on the location and history of the U.S.-Mexico border. He writes for the America surveyor, American Surveyor Magazine. He is the author of The Lay of the Land, the definitive history of land surveying in Southern California. Mike is also <clears throat> the author of the Kurt Brown Chronicles, which we'll be talking about today, a compilation of writings and lectures of the late Curtis M. Brown. He is the co-author of The History of San Diego Land Surveying Experiences, written with Curtis Brown, as well as co-author of Advanced Land Descriptions, co-written with the late Paul Kumo and Roy Minnick. Uh, Mike has been in the land surveying uh, profession since 1971. He brings a broad depth of experience to the professional community. He is a frequent lecturer at conferences, seminars, and universities across the country. Welcome to the program, Mike. I'm so glad that you uh, agreed to come on. How are you doing this morning? Uh, Fine, thank you. It's it's my pleasure. I wanted to quickly uh, just... send out my best wishes to everyone during this difficult time. I just hope everyone is well and um, that we'll all get through this so we can go back up and, and have large field crews running all over the place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how, how have things been for you and your family in, in California through these COVID-19 times we're in? It's been, you know, it's been interesting. We've, um, we've, I, I've been migrating more to a home office, and so we've been keeping in touch with family members using Zoom. In other technology, uh, Saturday um, we every year we participate in an MS walk, and we raise money uh, for MS. Um, and so this Saturday we did a virtual walk. So there were, we were all over scattered all over San Diego, using our phones, and we were all communicating with others as a as a virtual walk. So that was interesting. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so. Wouldn't you like to have taken out some stock in Zoom like before this COVID nineteen oh, thing God. broke out? <laughs> Everybody's you know, old- using Zoom. Yeah, the only the, the one investment I did make that has turned out to be pretty good was probably nine months ago. I I looked for what you know what they call a defensive stock, so I I, I put a chunk of money in Clorox. So that's paid off well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine it has. You can't even buy the stuff, or you can't you can't buy the Clorox wipes. They're they're just always out. I mean, I don't know what it is with this. With I don't know if it's hoarding or if, if more people are at home. And they're just, you know, buying more groceries or what? I mean, I don't know what it is. Well, I'm sure, you know, it's just changing times. And so we had, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about that, the change of the profession. It's going to have a dramatic uh, change, I think, on the profession. I've, over here in California, I've been running a, a poll with our surveyors organization. We have a, you know, we have a, a forum. And I posed a series of questions to see if, if these folks, that the surveyors consider themselves essential which is kind of a big debate we're having out here and trying to figure out who's working. And, and, and a lot of folks are working um, from offices and they consider themselves essential. But what's interesting is that the brick-and-mortar um, model um, you know, may no longer be viable or, or practical. My son works for a large company out here, surveying company, and mm-hmm. everyone's been migrating home. So you know, they're changing that business model, and in the long term it may end up you know, resulting in lower overhead, right, don't need large offices yeah um that's true yeah i work for a large firm too and uh, a lot of but fortunately for me my my office is uh is here in my home and uh um so it it, it hasn't affected me that much um and when we do field work you know we'll go in multiple vehicles and you know keep social distancing so uh, so, but that's, I guess that's one advantage of surveying is we, uh, we get to work in the field a lot and uh, not stuck in offices and uh, can, can go out and do our work, I guess. Particularly with robotics, too, when you think about it, you know, the change in technology with robotics and drones and other things is, you know, the notion, at least when I started, um, you know, many years ago, um, you know, when we have, we'd have four-person crews, well, you know, that's relatively obsolete now anyway, so... Right. Right, the surveyors, I think, are they operate in a different, you know, it's a different business model, but also a different environment, and they have better control over it. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, as opposed to doctors and lawyers and engineers, you know, um, surveyors, you know, the, you, you know the history of surveying as, as well as anybody, but you always had to have at least two guys, you know, yep. two, two, uh, two, two people, somebody uh, on each end of the chain, but with the uh, advent of of GPS and, you know, and robotics and uh, total stations and, uh, you know, that's that's been a historic change in, in the model of the profession. And now a, a one-man or two-man crew is, is kind of the norm it is. Uh, anymore these days. Now, now you, said you, <clears throat> you said you started in surveying 1971. Um, were you in kindergarten at the time? <laughs> What's the deal with that? Well, you know, it's interesting because I I, 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 I I attended a specialty school in Boston. It, Boston it's an entrance exam school. Um, I went to Latin school, if you're familiar with Latin school. It's the oldest public school in the uh, country, preparatory for Harvard. And um, and so I, I went into electronics at the school I attended. I went in, in gosh, I think about this, 69, and it was a specialty school for electronics. So... I uh, I attended that high school, um, and then 
I had family members um, who were involved in surveying, and they said, well, you know, you, you'd probably do well in surveying. I had no idea what that meant. So um, 1971, literally the day out of high school, um, I went to work in, in Gloucester, Massachusetts, um, performing topo, and then I spent the summer in Cape Cod, um, you know, surveying, and it was all new to me. And, of course, it intrigued me. I really enjoyed it. I, I you know, athletic, and I enjoyed being outside. And then I started attending classes, and then, uh, the, you know, one thing led to another. But, um, yeah, it was, I, I, I joke with my friends. I never got a summer break or, uh, you know, summer recess after high school. I just went straight to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always, always find people's uh, stories of how they got into surveying uh, interesting. You know, one of my... Uh, Survey buddies who's uh, who's um, passed away uh, unfortunately from from Florida. Uh, he started his out uh, his story out with I was sitting in a barber chair one day, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, he ran into some the guy in the chair next to him started talking about surveying, and the next thing he knew he was he was being hired for a summer job, yeah. and that's how he got into surveying. Well, so you grew up in New England. Um, what? Um, How'd you migrate to California? What was the uh, well? You know what I what I did. I was really. Some people think I'm joshing them, but I I really took an interest in it. And when I was, I uh, I testified in my first trial when I was 19 years old. Um, so I had my first exposure to that side of the surveying, and it was a boundary dispute with a city engineer who was moonlighting. I had made a five-foot bust, um, and so I started migrating towards that side. Now, what I did before moving out here, and everyone, a lot of folks find it hard to believe, but at 19 years old, I was the chief engineer, the chief the layout engineer for the MBTA in Boston, the uh, Charlie on the MBTA, and um, I had just hung around with the right people, and I was, I was laying out the rapid transit lines in Boston, and then the economy started to dip, um, and I said to my wife, I said, you know, if I'm going to work outside, I'd rather be doing it someplace <laughs> where the weather is more compatible. And so in 19, uh, 1976, we just loaded up, and uh, at that time, believe it or not, you know, I, was, I was young with all things I did. We, we actually had two children, uh, 22. I was 22 years old, and we drove till we hit the water. And um, in San Diego, and I had come out here to work on the San Diego trolley at the time. I, I had uh, aspirations of working on it. But back then it was a political football. There was no support for a trolley back here So, um, and we're here in San Diego. So we just relocated, and I hooked up with another fellow doing some design work. And, and then I, just, I, I started attending more classes. Um, so that was, that was quite a while ago, 76, I guess, huh? That's quite a while ago. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you can't find... Uh... Um, better um, a, a better environment to live in than San Diego, can you? I mean, the weather out there is it's, it's always the same, isn't it? <laughs> well, mostly. I'm looking outside today. It's a little overcast, but yeah, it's really quite beautiful. And I always one of the things that always impressed me in the very same day here in San Diego, I can be in another country. I could be in Tijuana. Um, I could be in the ocean. We could, you know, because we live very very close to the ocean. You could be in a mountain in the snow. And uh-huh. then you could go into the desert, um, you know, below sea level. So you can experience all of that in one day. That's rather extraordinary, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, that is quite extraordinary. Um, I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? 
No, 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 please. No, okay. Uh, well, <clears throat> wanted to talk about uh, Kurt Brown a little bit today. Um, um, tell us, um, tell us how you got, um, how you, you know, he, he's obviously a legend uh, and uh, well known in the surveying community. I, I guess some would call him a giant in the surveying community. Uh, I was in surveying um, at the time. He, you know, he was still around, but I never met the man. Um, uh, how did you uh, get involved with Mr. Brown? Well, I was attended school out here. There was a, a program at the time. I went through the, uh, the Union of Operating Engineers, and that was in 1978, thereabouts. And so um, we had a local college, Mesa College, and I was enrolled in the program. And um, the Brown, I, the, the Brown's works were the you know the required textbooks. And I was reading them, and I was looking, and I said, "Well, wait a minute! I know that I know that street, I know that subdivision." And of course, the vast majority of Kurt's references um, were to places Jeff, in subdivisions in San Diego. So I asked around, and and you know, to the folks, and I asked about Kurt, and they said, "Oh, he retired years ago." And I said, "Well, does anyone you know communicate with him?" And all I got was blank stares. So I took the initiative to reach out to Kurt and introduce myself, and he, he was incredible. He took me under his wing right away. We hit it off. We became very close friends, and um, my office was close to his. By that time, I had had my own business, and so um, I always tell these stories that Kurt used to show up unannounced at my office, and um, and I you know, he'd say, what are you doing? And I said, nothing. What are we doing today? So I tell my secretary to cancel the next two days and when Kurt was up for it, and that was how he would, you know, he would show up, and then we'd take off. And so he would take me to engineers and mapping offices, and um, I did some work with him with the media. We had, we had one time, we had a, we had a surveyor's okay, Jeff, dinner, which I helped organize, and had Kurt speak. We had over 300 people there. And we had the media the coverage, and I really, you know, worked very closely with Kurt, bringing him out. Um, yeah, and, Mike, know, I so, think we're going to have yeah. to take a break here yeah. in just a second. I hate to interrupt you. Oh no, no. But uh, I believe it's uh, time for our break. Uh, yes, we'll, we'll come back after the break, folks. Sounds great. Thanks. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. And you can call Quick Stakes and order your Quick Stakes. I guarantee you business is coming back. And when it does, particularly in the southeast with all the rain that we've had and the flooding that we've had, surveyors are going to be busier than they've ever been. So be sure your supplies are ready and you've got your markers, you got your Quick Stakes. Give them a call and they're working today just for you. As long as we're talking about working today just for you, so is America's Web Radio. And we've got great new shows on, and we've got another new show coming on that's going to be 
There's nothing like it. Just like the surveying show, there's nothing like it. If you want to participate, by the way, give me a call, and uh, we'll talk about getting your name thrown in with the surveying hour. Also, we've got a new show coming up. It's going to be called Sports Management. This was with a nationally, internationally known uh, person that is in sports management, and he's going to be talking about the other side of professional sports that a lot of us never even have a clue about, but he'll be talking about the effects of coronavirus on uh, professional sports. We'll have some of the owners on of different uh, different uh, major league uh, baseball and uh, NFL. And this show is going to be incredible. If you want more details about it, give me a call at America's Web Radio. That's David at America's Web Radio. You can email me, David at America's Web Radio.com, and we'll let you know all about that show. We've also got Agent in Charge. Uh, Sandy Bostick does an incredible job of telling us about his experience as a Homeland agent. He was also an FBI agent and... Uh, now he talks about some of the experiences that that he's had. We have um, we have a gentleman uh, named Chance Ritchie that does a show about business and particularly the oil business for which I'm involved in and uh, not doing too well today. As a matter of fact, uh, the lowest prices we've had since 1998, and that's killing me. But anyway, with that being said, we are open 24/7. And you can go to our website and download any or go to iTunes or go to wherever you want to go, uh, YouTube, and download different shows to ones that you like, uh, try new ones, and we will keep you informed and entertained. We have medical shows on. We have so many, a variety. We have a total variety of shows. And uh, if you're getting bored there at home, had... All the television you can handle, then tune in to America's Web Radio and listen to Jeff and his guests from previous shows. And also, stay tuned. If you would like to be a part of it, let me know. And we'll be glad to talk to you about being a part of America's Web Radio. With that being said, uh, you're listening to America's Web Radio on the Internet, and uh, we appreciate you listening in. With that being said, let's go back to Jeff and his guest. It's all yours, Jeff. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Uh, welcome back, folks. Um, Jeff Lucas, your host of uh, the Land Surveyors Hour here on America's Web Radio. My guest today is Michael Palomari, uh, surveyor, uh, lecturer, seminar speaker, and... Um, and author, of course. We're, we're just getting ready to talk to him about uh, some books. But, uh, Mike, I, I kind of opened, uh, gave you three and opened in the question right before our break. Um, you were telling us about how you, um, how you came to, to meet Kurt and, uh, and your relationship with him. Could you, could you fill, fill that in for us? Yeah, yeah. So, any event, so we, you know, his office was near mine, although he was retired. He, he used to come by unannounced, and we'd, we'd take off for a couple of days. And so one of the things that Kurt wanted to do was, um, prior to his passing, and he knew he was, you know, he was, his demise was down the road a bit, we wrote a book together, and it was really kind of, 
in retrospect, is really kind of funny. It was a history of land surveying experiences. And for those of you out there who are not familiar with the book, it's something I would strongly encourage. Um, because what we did, we did two things. Uh, one is we wrote about some of the problems around San Diego County. And that, you know, I haven't had a call in a while, but it was not uncommon for someone to call me up, usually on a Friday night, and they say, Mike, thank you. Thank you and Kurt, because you saved my, my tail end, because I didn't know about that problem. And so what we did is we, we wrote about problem areas in San Diego County that, you know, were significant enough that, you know, that surveyors should be aware of. Well, the second half of the book was comments on old surveyors, right? Now, recognize Kurt, gosh, I think he passed in 88, so he's been gone some time. So Kurt took it upon himself to write personal commentary on a lot of surveyors and engineers that had worked around town, and some of it wasn't very flattering. Um, right. there, was, there was one of these old surveyors that he knew that they caught moving markers around. He was, he was, he was resetting markers, and then in the other ones, some of their personal, you know, things. And so after the book was published, I started getting threats from family members and other surveyors on the book, and I said, listen, you, you need to look at this, and this was Kurt. So Kurt made a distinction in the book that this was his personal opinions, and basically I had nothing to do with it. And, and how could I? I? I didn't know these surveys. So in any event, that was, though, very important because it gave us a perspective of, you know, these other surveyors. Um, so th then moving along, and I'll conclude here into how I have his works. <coughs> so Kurt bequeathed to me his... Um, all of his writings and lectures, and his widow, his widow did, uh, well, Thelma, she's passed now, but I knew Kurt's son, he was a civil engineer, so they wanted me to have all of his writings and his works. So with the exception of the published books, uh, Boundary Control, Legal Principles, and Evidence, um, I gathered up, and Kurt gave me all of his writings and lectures, so I, I'd spent a couple of years working on it by gathering up any 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 material I could find, um, putting it together in the Kurt Brown Chronicles. Um, I had started that with Paul Cuomo, um, my late partner in crime. Paul passed uh, from a brain uh, malignant brain tumor many years ago, but that that's how you know we we developed it, and it was a labor of love. You know, chasing down articles in ACSM journals. Uh, Kurt Sumner uh, was helpful. My friend Kurt, our friend Kurt. Yeah. You know, so that's how it kind of came together. Is I, I just inherited it. He bequeathed it to me, and um, we were good friends. Yeah, um, yeah, very interesting. You know, you, you mentioned uh, um, your, your book, uh, the one you and Kurt wrote. Um, let's see, uh, the history of uh, San Diego, of San Diego land surveying experiences. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, of when I started out. Um, you know, in, in the surveying profession. You know, everybody has a story with how they started out, but I was in uh, Tampa, Florida, uh, and there were some there were some um, uh, odd things about Tampa that you needed to know, you know, or, or you or you wouldn't uh, survive as a land surveyor there for long. One, one of the things that they did they never monumented the corners in the city. They well, they monumented the corners in the city, but they had them on all on four foot offsets. Oh yeah, and you didn't you didn't know that. this was just a secret, that, you know, or not a well kept secret, but it, this was the old surveyors knew that they, the old surveyors knew that the monumentation didn't match up with the plat. There was it was on a four foot offset, um, and also back in that time, and you mentioned something that brought this to mind. Back in that time, 
a lot of surveyors wouldn't share information with each other. You oh, know, yeah. The old-timey guys wouldn't share information with each other because they would uh, they would see it as. Um, and, and matter of fact, there's. I think this is. I think Clark talks about this in his book, but I, I read it somewhere that uh, the advice, uh, and it might, it might have been Clark in his book, the advice he gave uh, surveyors for setting up a business is that you go out and you, you set up a business in a, in a small town somewhere, and then you're going to do all these uh, loss leader projects where you're not, you're not going to make any money on them, but you're, you're building up. You're building up your record library so that next time you're out there in that neck of the woods, you know you can, um, uh, you, you'll be able to do the survey a lot quicker because you've done this work. And I don't know if that was the mentality uh, of these the older guys when when I came into the business, but uh, surveyors wouldn't share information with each other, and I think it was because they thought that you know that's money in the I'm just giving my uh, my work away if I share it with you. That was so true. That was so common up in Boston. I worked for one of the oldest companies in the United States, so Whitman and Howard. They've since been bought out, I think, by EarthTech. And they, you know, literally, this is one of the oldest companies in, in, in the country. So they they were involved in, in surveying and creating and platting old, uh, older subdivisions and, you know, home sites. And they, they kept all that information private. And um, and you simply could not work in in those areas unless you went to you know to this company. Um, real quickly, um, one of the things that I did, you know, I'm in La Jolla. In La Jolla, is, is it's noted in Kurt's works is probably one of the most challenging areas to work. Um, so what I did all those years, twenty years running my crews, when the economy dipped, I never let my um, I never let my my employees know that we were facing hard times. And so um, there was a psychology to that. You don't want them to, you know, become worried. So that's what we did, Jeff. We went out, and I sent the crews out to locate historic control um, markers and monuments in La Jolla. And, and we just kept doing it. If I, had, if I only had 20 hours' worth of um, work for a week, my, my staff worked 40 hours. And the other 20 hours were developing um, and locating, you know, these control lines. And so I would track the economy to see where development was coming and so when the economy would resurface and things start to happen people would call up and i already had the control established so we could do the job we could do a job in two days where others it would take two weeks and i could actually charge more because of the ability to to deliver the survey much quicker so there's great merit in that it's long-term thinking but yes i i totally you know agree with that with you you mentioned about clark it was a really good business strategy for me yeah <clears throat> yeah um and you were um this uh, precision survey mapping you started that in 19 uh 1980 um was that your first business that you um were involved it, it, in? it was i was working for a mid-sized firm <laughs> in the economy was tanking how many how many times have we gone through this so I cut a deal with the fellows I worked with. It was a civil engineering firm. I, I headed up the surveying. It was it was creative. Um, they had the truck and the equipment, and so in return for me giving an hour of work for them, at the end of the month we'd we'd balance out. I I could get uh, I could use their equipment in their vehicle. So if they needed me, say ten hours a week, then I earned ten hours of um, of vehicle and equipment use. The only proviso was I 
uh, couldn't work in the in the urban area in the city. That's where they were focused. So I went out into the rural areas, and that's where um, when I started out, I was doing lots of work in East County here along the Mexican border. I, I, I've done lots of work uh, in and along Mexico, um, mm-hmm. and so that's that's how that worked out. So it was it was, it was mutually compatible at the time, 1980, and we we all survived. And um, and then I built a company and I built a business. Up, I had a, 12 people. Um, you know, working for me, and then I finally um, sold it in 2000. Um, I went to a 45-person firm where I was the vice president, and, and I was very unhappy. Uh, you know, I, I was a bean counter and um, and a babysitter, um, you know, managing that many yeah. people. <laughs> so I went back out on my own again and started yeah. my own. You know, it's it's a niche practice. I have a specialty practice here from then. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred twenty-five lawsuits. That, that's that's intriguing to me. That is that is a lot of uh, of uh, boundaries, uh, mostly boundary dispute cases. Yeah, boundary. I'm currently involved in some some of them. Maybe one of the biggest lawsuits, and well, it's like that. One of the biggest land use issues in in the country is Martin's Beach. If you're familiar with it, um, up in Half Moon Bay, and that's the one where Vinod Kostler um, cut the road off for the surfers to get to the beach. Um, oh, okay. Check that one out. That's really interesting. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I'm working up in. Um, I'm working up in. I'm here in San Diego. You know, I'm working in Coronado. I work in Malibu. I work mm-hmm. uh, up and down the coast in Ventura. And it's coastal, principally the coastal work, Jeff. It's I love coastal. Um, you know, um, work in boundary water boundary. So I've had the luxury of, of 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 doing that. That that's my preference, and therefore that's what I will do. Well, I think we're uh, up against another break here. Um, so we will come back with uh, Michael Palomari uh, after the break. And again, we're here to remind you that Quick Stakes is waiting for your call order, and uh, you can order your markers, your Quick Stakes, whatever uh, you need to be ready for business opening back up. And I want to remind you again that we have some of the greatest shows going. Uh, All you have to do is go to our website or go to to YouTube or iTunes and look up America's Web Radio and um, listen to any of our archives. And uh, if you want to become a part of America's Web Radio in one shape, form, or fashion, either uh, as a sponsor or if you've got a subject that you'd like to talk about, uh, we'll entertain that as well. And uh, like I said, we've got a great new show coming on called It Will Be Sports Management. It's a whole new twist on professional sports. So with that being said, let's get back to Jeff and his guest right after this. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Okay, Jeff, coming back in three, two, one, and it's yours. Welcome back, folks. Uh, This is Jeff Lucas, um, and we are the... Land Surveyor's Hour and on America's Web Radio, and I have uh, our guest today is Michael Palomari, uh, land surveyor, author, um, lecturer, um, and uh, that's actually how we, uh, we how we ran into each other, I believe. It, it, isn't it, Mike? That, didn't we uh, meet at a conference one day? 
I, you know, I think you and I had been communicating maybe through email or something. We had exchanges, and then yeah, we did meet and, and with your lovely wife, and we've. Uh, we, I have great fond memories of hanging out with you um, in, uh, in any, any time that's happened. So, yes, uh, when we physically met, but I think we'd been communicating a little bit with our, with our mutual interests. Yeah, and uh, I know it was on one of those trips you gave me uh, your, uh, a copy of the Kurt Brown Chronicles, which is really the, what I wanted to talk about um, to a certain extent here today. Um, and, and you, you kind of... Um, um, uh, you kind of gave us a little bit of an opening into uh, how uh, you came about um, um, putting this book together. Uh, you know, you, it's 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 kind of a, an intimidating book to look at. I'm, I'm flipping through it right now, and I'm going to the back here. Um, Six hundred and hold on a second here. Six hundred and ninety pages. <laughs> a missioner, it, it's a missioner novel. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, what I did was I, uh, I, I uh, after you gave it to me, I, uh, I packed it in my in my travel suitcase, my travel uh, briefcase, and you know if, if, when you're traveling and you're flying around and you're, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. So I just I just started breaking the book out and and uh, breaking it down into chunks, and I was um, I was. One of the things that I wanted, um, one of the one of the reasons I wanted to dig into the book was um, I didn't know, I knew hardly anything uh, about you know about Kurt Brown. Okay, and uh, you know, truth be told, I've been a little bit critical of Mr. Brown, but that criticism wasn't necessarily aimed at Curtis Brown. It was aimed at the brand. You know the Brown books, which you've mentioned. You know boundary control and legal principles, and evidence and procedures. But uh, you know, Mr. Brown uh, left uh, left those publications. Uh, you know, years ago, and now they're in, they're in the hands of other people. So perhaps some of my criticism is um, is really on uh, on the people who've taken over those books. But uh, so, uh, but I, I wanted to know more about Curtis Brown and. Um, and, and his philosophy, and so that's why I jumped into the book. Yeah, and, let's do, and if you mind, I, I, you know, um, as you know, and I'm, I'm familiar with your your observations on Kurt, and, 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 and I think it's a testament to our relationship. I've always encouraged you, you know, to, to, to discuss it. I mean, if, if Kurt was here, he would say that. Um, I'm going to back up, and then I'm going to uh, tell you a little bit more, but I don't disagree with you on the, um, on, on the direction his works have gone. Um, I will tell you without. Um, uh, I will discreetly reply by stating that I have been um, contacted. I've been involved in, on behalf of the Brown family, trying to preserve um, some of the the uh, the objectives of his works. But um, Thelma, uh, his widow, has passed. Kurt has passed, and. The um, the trademark, as it were, is has gone in a different direction, and people not infrequently contact me with uh, comments, um, and I'll kind of leave it at that. Um, you, you know, re- remembering that this was the Brown trademark, and so um, one of the one of the the challenges I had in developing the Chronicles was uh, parsing it out, breaking it out into um, you know edible, if you will, portions, very small portions, and 
because he would, you know, he was writing and lecturing and all of the work he did for the ACSM journals came out more chronological. So what I did, and in, in I think you and I have chatted about this, I broke these out into topics. So when, right. right, so I thought that would be a better approach. And the book, by the way, was intended to be read exactly the way you're reading it. And that, of course, was the biggest challenge. Um, it was a significant uh, lectures he wrote um, on ethics and the professionalism and things of that sort. So those would come out, you know, let's say he wrote one in 1957 and then the next one was 63. So I had to reassemble those and put them into sections. Um, mm-hmm. Kurt, you know, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt made such massive contributions um, to that. And I want to tell you, um, and if I ramble on here, because obviously it's something I'm very uh, involved in, uh, let me know. But um, I, I do have a, um, a, a quick anecdotal story about Kurt that I thought no, was worth mentioning. Okay, it was worth, worth mentioning. 19, I think it was 1988. We, we got together um, in Anaheim, and um, I, I, I brought Kurt up, and we had Paul Cromo, we had a conference, the Surveyors Conference, and we had. Frank Moffitt, Ben Buckner, um, let's see, Kurt, um, oh, Walt was there, Walt Robillard, and um, there was one or two other luminaries there, and so we we spent um, quite a bit of time. They all lectured. It was a fantastic um, program, and I remember sitting at, I was so honored, I was a young young fellow at the time, and to have, to have dinner with all these fellows. Well, I, I was outside. And um, I was walking with Kurt. I was escorting him. He was, you know, he was elderly. And this young, this young fella come up to him with a couple of his buddies, and they'd been drinking. Um, they, 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 they were a little bit liquored up. And so this young fella... Surveyors? Are you, are you kidding me, surveyors? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? And uh, so, so these guys, you know, these guys had a few under their belt. And so this young guy come up to Kurt, and he started challenging him. Now, he did it in a disrespectful way. He, he did it in such a way that um, um, it was offensive. And, and mm-hmm. regardless of how you may differ with someone, there's a certain way, you know, you need to have a respect yeah. for someone like him. So this guy started laying into Kurt and, and telling Kurt that he was wrong about something. And he, he berated Kurt. And so he was boastful in front of his friends. And so, you know, of course, I was getting really angry um, and um, it was it was it was infuriating to watch. So, so Kurt, Kurt, you know, just kept nodding his head. And, and Kurt, you know, in a gentleman way, just listened to this this clown go on. So they finally left. Um, I walked away with Kurt, and and this guy had berated Kurt about one of his theories on boundary. And so I said, Kurt, you know, golly, why didn't you debate him? Um, and he said, Mike, he said, he said, he is 100% correct. He said, pardon my French here, he said, that stupid bastard didn't realize. I wrote that um, 20 years ago, and the law has since changed. And he said, so if, he's, if, if his criticism is leveled at something I wrote 20 years ago, he said, he, he's a fool. And he said, and not only is he a fool, but he's the worst thing that could happen to this profession. It, he says, it's, it's young fellows like that you know, that, that are not making contributions. Of course the laws have changed. And he said, if you, if you were to help me to the standard of something that happened 20 years ago and you would try to apply it today, he said, you would, you would be incompetent. He said, the law changes all the time. And so, you know, he said, I give him credit. He was, he, he's correct. It was wrong. But um, 
but you know you can't do it contextually. It was 20 years ago. That law has long since changed. And, and then he recites for me the lawsuit. He says, well, you know, in, in Milton versus Lucas or whatever he cited, he said, well, then the court threw all that out. But for me, it was telling, um, you know, because Kurt, he, he, there was numerous additions, and um, there was a very extensive discussion about fence surveying in the ACSM journals, and I tracked it down. It was a labor of love. But basically, at the end of the day, you know, Kurt had um, re, re, repositioned himself. And up until the day he died, he, he was always thinking that way. And the one thing that I learned from him was, you know, what, whatever you believe today may not, you know, may not hold true tomorrow. So, so that was telling for me. It was important. He understood it. And unfortunately, too many don't, uh, that, you know, that followed him. You're right, right. Yeah, I know exactly. Uh, uh, that, that's one of the things I wanted to bring up um, for the articles, the fence line surveying articles sure. um, that are in here. I've always been uh, fascinated with, um, with um, let's see, what's, what's the title? to we'll, we'll get it to it after the break. But the land surveyor's liability to unwritten rights. Exactly. I, I don't know when I read that first. I probably read that about... Uh, 20 years ago, maybe, yeah. for the, maybe 25 years ago for the first, it, oh, shoot, it's longer than that. Um, 30 years ago, maybe for the first time. When you were it 10? It was a little bit eye-opening. Uh, I'm sorry? When you were 10 years old? Yeah, yeah when I was 10, <laughs> exactly. But we'll get to that after the break, because I want to talk specifically about that, um, about that article. But one thing that, uh, that interested me, um, when I when I came into the land surveying profession in uh, 1976, uh, so a little bit after you, and then got you know started working towards getting uh, licensed uh, down in Florida. Um, of course, you know Kurt Brown was the uh, was was the guy. I mean, you know he he was uh, that's the book you you had to read. You had to read evidence and procedures, and you had to read boundary control and legal principles if you were going to even have a prayer of passing the exam. So. Uh, he was he was an icon uh, at that time, and but one of the things I found fascinating about the book is, is chapter one, uh, when um, it, that really got me you know cranking into this book uh, over time. Um, it was the, the the and you mentioned the ACSM uh, conferences uh, back in the day, and, and I'm looking at some of the pictures here. That was a different day and time, wasn't it? Everybody's wearing, everybody's oh, wearing God. suits. You, you know, uh, Jeff, you, you know, I, 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 a lot of surveyors kind of um, give me a hard time. I, I wear a shirt and tie every day, um, and I wear mm-hmm. a jacket. And so yeah. they, they ask me, you know, well, gee, Mike, are you overdressed? I said, well, that depends. I said, when I put this shirt and tie on, I'm getting paid $100 an hour more than you are. And I said, second, I do a lot of legal work, so at a moment's notice, I can be called into court to, for some particular reason. Um, and also for, you know, I do a lot of emergency-type uh, situations, restraining orders and all. And so that was the one thing that those pictures are stunning, aren't they? That, that When they had conferences, um, they have conferences, you know, everyone showed up in a shirt and tie, and everything was done formally. And when you look at, um, you know, the relationships, if you follow how AC... ACSM developed, you know, as an adjunct to military men in um, in moving along. It was it was it was a different time. Um, maybe I'm a little bit old fashioned or old school, but that was the environment Kurt Kurt grew up in, or a strike that he he, he worked in. Um, and he was, you know, he was all, he he traveled all over the country, 
learning more. I, I, I would challenge anyone, you know, who, who, who uh, to have the the depth of experience that he did. And when he wrote for ACSM, as you as you know, there were inquiry columns, so people from all over the country would send in questions about surveying procedures and, and things, and then Kurt would, you know, respond to them. Now, on the defense survey, he was subject to great criticism, but he didn't back down. He, he, he took on the challenge, and he, you know, he accepted it. Um, and, and that's something to be admired. He wasn't afraid of it. Uh, he also knew it, it, it had changed. So, it, you know, it was different. It was a different time, and it was a, it was a different era of civility. Those, those fellows, the young guys that, that attacked him, you know, I was just so, so upset. Uh, it was really... Well, it, I, I doubt that they were in suits, were they? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they, didn't, yeah. they didn't have shirt and ties on, did they? <laughs> no, nah, they and these guys were liquored up. Like I said, it was really yeah. embarrassing. I, uh, but you know, you know the point I'm saying. It was a different time, and and that's the environment that shaped him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're uh, we're it looks like we're coming up on another break here, Mike, and uh, we got one more segment to go. Thanks, uh, hang uh, hang around with us, folks, and uh, we'll we'll wrap this up in a little bit. Assuming we're off the air, right? Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is Jeff Lucas with uh, the Land Surveyor's Hour, and my guest today is uh, Mike Palomari, um, uh, surveyor, author, lecturer, uh, an all-around nice guy. Uh, Mike, um, we were uh, talking about the Kurt Brown Chronicles, your book, uh, your compilation of... Uh, of stories and uh, lectures and articles that Mr. Brown um, uh, wrote. 
But uh, one of the things I thought found fascinating was in Chapter 1, when the book first came out, um, about, uh, it was actually the California edition of Boundary Control. Right. And uh, it, got, it, was, it got some criticism. You know, being, the guy, being a guy who, uh, you know, who grew up in surveying, you know, Kurt Brown is the guy, I never, I never thought, you know, that, that any, it, it, his books had ever gotten, you know, had ever had any critics. Oh, oh, oh there was, you know, it was kind of a, a rivalry. You know, one of the ones that I, that I observed, I, 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 um, I never got to meet Bill Waddles. But I did. Uh-huh. I did meet Gurdon Waddles, his son, and, and I've had dinner with him. Oh, is that the relationship? Okay, all right. Yeah, I Bill did not and know yeah. That. And so there was there was really kind of an interesting rivalry I suspected between Bill Waddles, William Waddles, and um, and for those who are not familiar with the Waddles books, you know the the legal descriptions. And it was a, a, right. a bit of a, a rival a rivalry. Now you know, and Kurt, as I said, Kurt, he he wasn't that didn't bother him. He he gladly accepted the criticisms. And he invited them. He encouraged the dialogue as opposed to running from it. And the one thing that you need to recognize is um, he was he was a pioneer. And I think any any anyone that makes a contribution to a profession has to, by necessity, you know, uh, put themselves out there to offer something. Right. And he did that. And and you know and 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 he he was the first one, as I said, when when I watch people question him and watch his his responses. So real quickly, and then I'll, I'll wrap this quickly out here, in terms of the improvements, here in California, in my, I'm in La Jolla, right, so that's probably some of the most valuable um, homes in the country, um, up the street from the office. Alicia Keys just moved in. I think she spent 25 or $30 million on, um, on her property. My clients, I've got a diverse uh, client, Mitt, not politics aside, Mitt Romney is a client of mine, and um, others that own basketball teams and what have you, you'll, you'll get a sense. When we're dealing in the beach areas where properties are worth, you know, just incredible amounts of money, I always approach it when there's a dispute, um, and I've learned this. And as opposed to running out there throwing markers out monuments and, and creating maps with numbers on them, I, I try to get the property owners together, and I say to them, well, where do you think the property is? And I actually started backwards. And so I try to create the mindset for the property owners, and particularly in the beach areas. And I say, well, forget the surveys. But where do you think the property is? And then they'll both get out there and they'll say, well, it looks like about here where the fence is. And I start backwards. And I say, okay, so in a worst-case scenario, you could live with that if that's what we ended up with, right? And invariably, they agree. And so by starting backwards, and then when we do the survey, we can adjust the mathematics to meet the, the improvements. But um, that's kind of a backwards twist on it. But it certainly avoids a lot of litigation. Um, when I get called in and some surveyor has a fancy map with lots of numbers on it, you know, my eyes roll because they, they, they've set up for conflict. And so that's, I think part of that is what drove Kurt to embrace some of those ideas. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, uh, if, so if uh, I have listeners who've been uh, listening to this program from the beginning, that's basically what I tell them, uh, from a surveying standpoint, what I tell them to do. You know, the two most important people in the in the boundary dispute case is going to be the plaintiff and the defendant. Amen. And the judge is going to want to know what they uh, what they had to say. Uh, well, yeah, so uh, land surveyors... Um, Liability to unwritten rights is right, right about in the middle of the book. I'm on page 323. 
um, I read this about 30 years ago, and I'm I'm of the opinion back then that you know I'm supposed to be, um, for lack of a better term, you know, staking out the deed, doing the math, you know, driving in new pins and new pins. I mean, I was the worst. I was the worst pincushion surveyor uh, <laughs> east of the east of the Mississippi until until I until I was enlightened. But uh, one of the things that started opening up my eyes was actually this article. Now, see, Curtis Brown. Uh, has uh, you know uh, is largely recognized as as the uh, the grandfather of stake the deed, and he kind of says that right here. Yeah, uh, I'm on page three twenty four. In my early writings, I generally advocated that surveyors should locate land boundaries in accordance with a written deed. All conveyances based on unwritten rights should be referred to attorneys for resolution. Right. Within recent years, there have been cases, one in particular, when surveyors have been held liable for failure to react to a change in ownership created by prolonged possession. The purpose of this paper is to re-examine what a surveyor should be doing. Right. And that's kind of eye-opening to me. You know, he, here he is. He's he's basically uh, recanting his earlier position, just like you were talking about earlier. Oh, oh, oh yeah, and that's a credit. I mean, any any man or woman, you know, who is unwilling. Um, to reconsider, you know, their positions, particularly one that's been held 20, 30, 40, you know, something years ago, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, dare I say is a fool. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm blessed. I've got two, two grown boys. I've got grandchildren. Um, uh, my grandson turns 15 next month and my granddaughter is 17. I always tell them, never be afraid to stick your hand up if you made a mistake or you need to, you know, do something new. Let people know. You can't defend conduct, you know, that that happened when when you were younger. Always be brave. Always be a you know a person of character and, and be willing to do that. And Kurt did that in his later years. He he spent the time. The ACSM they they talked about it. But if we had Kurt here, he would say that in probably in a much louder um, um, voice than than you know than than, than previously. Yeah. Um... Uh, I have an, a, another little passage here I want to read, if, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, turn on the page over 326. What did the client have in mind when he asked the surveyor to locate his boundaries? Was he asking the surveyor to locate his ownership or just the deed lines? As all surveyors should know, there's a vast difference between ownership and written deed uh, rights. And the written deed is merely evidence of ownership, not proof of ownership. A title to land can be transferred by unwritten rights. I have a few issues with that. But anyway, from my experience with clients, very few know uh, that there is a difference between the two. Most clients want to know what they own. I mean, and and from my perspective from surveying, we haven't talked about this a lot, you and I, but uh, I, I feel if the retracing surveyor goes out there and does the job correctly, and as you're talking about, talk, what do the where do the client where does the client and the next door neighbor think the property line is? They're going to be the first people on the stand if this thing comes to dispute. But if you do the retracing correctly, in in essence, at the end of the day, you you have the you have if you've done it correctly and it passes you know legal muster, you have done nothing less than identify the limits of ownership, haven't you? Coolie. Justice Cooley, right? The quasi-judicial right. functions of the of the of the land surveyor. Right. Um, it, 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 yes, invariably. And as I say now, I've testified in testified in an open court in excess of 125 times. I don't know. I, have, I haven't checked. I've got five trials going on right now. 
I, I, I normally carry four to five trial workload. Um, not all of those will go to trial, but I'm certainly right. involved, you know, in depositions and other things. And at the end of the day, you know, appearing as a court of equity, the, the judge is going to take a look at this thing. And the greatest opponent or a challenge I want is a surveyor that shows up with a lot of fancy numbers, um, because that's usually, you know, that's the type of expert that you want to be up against, the one that is throwing tens of numbers in the air. Um, the court just wants to know where's the fence, how long has it been there, and, um, you know, and in, 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 in really is a court of equity, I, I find. Right, right. It, yeah, uh, ex- exactly. It's uh, if we're not trying the title, so to speak. If it's not an adverse, if we're not arguing the title uh, question, like in an adverse possession case. I mean, r- really, the boundary establishment doctrines um, uh, simply are they locate they answer the factual question of location. Um, now, uh, also, uh, so he published that in uh, in surveying and mapping. And then people wrote in, right? Lots of people wrote in. <laughs> lots, lots of people wrote in, and this, uh, in particular, uh, Mitch Mitchell Williams yes, wrote in. And uh, you, you know who you you don't know Mitch? Or do you know Mitchell Williams? I, I don't. I, I don't I, only know. through the through the you know through the publications there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> very interesting. In, in essence, what he did, um, he didn't come right out and say it. But Mitchell Williams accused, uh, the, the, accused the, the king of deed staking it's, it's to being a, a fence line surveyor. I mean, did he not? To, to be in a what surveyor? A, a fence line surveyor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and as I said, now, <laughs> I'm trying to remember you know, what year that was, but now recognize Kurt was quite elderly at that time. And 1980 is when Mitch Williams wrote this. Okay, his. yeah, so I, uh, I think Kurt, I think he passed, I'm trying to think it was in 88. He had like a Parkinson's, and so he had long since retired. Um, but he, you know, he shrugged, he shrugged his shoulders, and he encouraged people to have the dialogue. He'd encourage it today. Okay, you know, Jeff, he, we need to shut her down. mind and body and with us, he, he would do it. And, and Kurt, you know, he would just shrug. And, and, you know, it's funny because... I had an employee working with me. Jeff, we're going to uh, need to shut her down. Me. He was a Purdue graduate. He was better educated than I was, and so he was critical of some decisions I had made. And he said to me, he said, um, well, you know, that's not the way Kurt Brown would do it. And, and I'd say, okay, well, I write books. I said, why don't you write a book, and you get it out there and expose yourself and tell me how you think you would do it. I right. said, I write books. I write articles. And, and, the, and the point is, I said, you know, Kurt would be the first one to tell you that that's probably not the way it is today. But right. put yourself out there, you know, be, you know, stand up and, yeah. and, and accept it. So we need to have that. We need to encourage it. And I welcome, encourage people, if you've got questions, anyone on, on Brown or, yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate you being on the show. Real pleasure. You have, y'all be well. Thank All you. Right. Bye-bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.